0: Good morning, Rimrock Church. Good to see everybody here. Happy New Year! God was good last year. He's going to be good this year. He's going to be good for forever. We're going to celebrate that this morning. Amen? Let's do it. Hearts declare His praise. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battle. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sin of the world, His blood breaks a chains. The Lord Almighty, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Let's sing it again. Come on. Who can stop the Lord? Stop the Lord Almighty Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord singing over the battle slip Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Yeah, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? i Uh-oh. is light. is light. is That was Spencer's idea, Jeannie. Oh, thank
1: you, Spencer. For once it wasn't on me. Thank you, Spencer. I appreciate that. Happy New Year and welcome this morning. We're thankful for each of you that are joining us here today, whether this is your first time, you've been here for 40 years or anywhere in between, or if you're joining us online, we're happy to have you. Um, If you do happen to be new and you haven't received any information from us, if you'd fill out a visitor card from the back of your seat and turn it in at the Welcome Center across the way there, we have a small gift for you and I will be sending you an email if you give me your email address. (laughs) Okay, All right, my name is Jeannie Short, and I am uh, delighted to be on staff as a small community developer, and for over 15 years, my family has been coming on Wednesday nights to Rimrock Church. We've gotten to fellowship and grow together as a family, but also with our brothers and sisters, and um, Wednesday nights starts back up this Wednesday, the 5th. And so you'll find in your bulletin, which I brought, a list of the cla- of the groups that we'll be meeting. There are groups for every age. We serve supper at 5.30 to about 6.15. We um, then split into small communities for every age group at 6.30, and we're done by 7.45. With the exception of the youth, the middle school and high school are invited to stay until 8.30. Uh, to play games here in the auditorium. All right, there are a few other things I need to announce. There are study guides for this new um, sermon series in our own eyes through the book of Judges. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the sermon series and the study guide. And then on the back of your um, bulletin, you'll see that there's a first step class next week. And that's a class that I typically lead And it's just kind of an introduction to Rimrock, and I'm happy to answer any questions I can in that class. There is a sign-up on the Welcome Center as well for that, if you're interested in joining me for that. All right, let's pray. Precious Father in heaven, we pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being, We desire that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. We pray that we may be rooted and established in love in this new year of 2022. May we have power together with all your holy people. Help a spirit to grasp how wide and long and high and deep your love is for us. We wanna know that love that surpasses knowledge We want to be filled to the measure of your fullness. We acknowledge that you are able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. We wish that you would bring glory to yourself through the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.
0: Lost, I was in chains. The world had a hold on me. My heart was a stone, I was covered in shame when he came. He loves me, he loves me, he is for me, Jesus, how can it be? He loves me, he is for me. Hey, we're going to go back and sing those verses together. I know that's my story, and I hope it's yours. The first verse says, I was lost. and chains the world had a hold. yes it did verse again say, higher than the mountains that I face, Lord, you are stronger than the power of the grave, constant in the trial and the shame. So faithful, Father, we thank you for that truth, God, as we enter this new year, that your love is never going to fail, never going to run out on us, God. We run out on you very often, Father, and we apologize for that, but then you bring us back gently to your arms, to your heart, and so we want to surrender the year of 2022 to you, God our lives, our heart, would you, God, would you fill us and empower us and live your life through us so that others might see us as a light in the midst of what has become an increasingly dark world as far as we can see, God. But your light shines, and God, we want you to use us to shine your light. So as Ben comes this morning, God, it all starts with listening to you. Open our ears, God, so we can hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Uh, There we go. I'm on. Okay, so tell your neighbor it's going to be a good year. (laughs) Amen. And that's not just wishful thinking. We can know it's going to be good because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you know God is making all things new? Um, I love—my son the other day said, Dad, um, because he he saw that uh, in the Old Testament, and by the way, we're going to be diving into the Old Testament, that the Jewish people gathered on Saturday. thats kind of their day of worship. And he says, Dad, why do we do it on Sunday? I said, it's because of the resurrection. <laughs> it's the resurrection. It's the, it's the new beginning, the new creation that God is doing, that death is, is vanquished, sin is coming to an end, this world of, of brokenness, and God is making everything new. So even though we might face some hard things, we have the resurrection, and so he's he's going to make something good out of it, and uh, praise God for that. So, 2022, you made it. It's hard to believe. I, someone said this morning that uh, she said, "50 uh, years ago, I never thought I would live in 2022," <laughs> and so God has uh, been gracious to give us another year of life. We are going to begin a series in uh, in the Book of Judges, and I, I got to tell you. Um, when our preaching team, when we were praying and, and talking about it and, and asking God if this is what he wanted us to do, I was, uh, uh, there was a little bit of trepidation because uh, preaching in the Old Testament uh, has some unique challenges. Um, there's uh, so many amazing stories, amazing things, but... Um, context and, and the backstory is so important because it's, it's easy to misinterpret or to, um, or to miss the point. In fact, um, I've had people sitting down uh, um, ask me, why is the God of the Old Testament so different from the God of the New Testament? And, uh, and I think that's one of the, the great fallacies that um, many people have about the Old Testament. Uh, Because in fact, it's not a different God. In fact, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is exactly the same God. And so sometimes when we read the Old Testament, we don't understand the whole story. We don't understand what God is doing. We don't understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of Of the story. In fact, Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but He said, I came to fulfill it. And so everything God is revealing to us through the whole story of the Bible, including the book of Judges, ultimately points us to the person of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, we see fully who God is. For all of eternity, for everlasting in the past and everlasting in the present, everlasting in the future, God is um, forever. And there is no beginning, no end to who he is. He has always been and will always be. He is the Alpha and Omega, as Revelation declares. And so when we read the Old Testament, it's really important we begin to see the whole story, and we begin to see the context of what God is doing. Now, the key verse for the book of Judges um, is actually the last statement of the whole book, Um, by the way, when we're going through Judges, we're going to approach this a little differently. We're not going to go necessarily verse by verse through the entire book, but we're going to take portions and stories. But you're going to begin to see the whole picture of what God is revealing in this um, story. But the, the last phrase of the book is, Everyone did what was right in their own eyes, and there was no king. There was no king. And so Judges is a story of an in-between time. Did you know we as Christians in 2022 are living in an in-between time? (laughs) And so there's a lot of parallels. There's a lot we can glean from judges about our present day. But we have to be careful in that. But we also have to realize that that this in-between time is not a lost time. It's a time that God is doing something and um, it can feel like what's happening and it can feel a lot of different things. There's a lot of experiences that we can have in between times. I remember when my wife was pregnant and we got that good news that she was going to have a baby. And I remember the joy and the anticipation and the hope and, the, and all the, the flood of emotions of saying, I'm going to be a dad and we're going to have this baby. But, but then there's nine long months... <laughs> Of waiting, right? Because you get the room ready, you get everything ready for that baby, but but you don't know who or she is going to be, and you don't know what's going to happen or how your life is going to change, but you're just in this kind of this waiting period, and you know it's coming, but it doesn't feel real yet, right? It doesn't feel like it's, I'm really a dad. Like, if you would have told me, I would have known cognitively I'm a dad, but it didn't feel like I was a dad yet, but it was coming. And so that in-between time, waiting, um, I think the best parallel book in the New Testament to the time of Judges is actually the book of Acts, the book of Acts, where the, the, the resurrection has happened, and Jesus has come and he has established his kingdom, yet he says, I'm leaving, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I have a role for you, I have a job for you in this time, and it's, we call it the age of grace, but he said, I'm coming back. And so, in the book of Acts, we have the the birth of the church and the giving of the Holy Spirit, and you have this this incredible movement of God in the world, yet Jesus isn't physically present. His kingdom hasn't been fully realized, and we're still living in the time of Acts. We're still living in that in-between time where Jesus has come, and the announcement of the kingdom has come, yet it's not fully realized. We still live in a broken world where, where Jesus is not ruling over everything, and so The king hasn't been fully revealed yet, that in-between time. I love what Paul says in Acts 17. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not live in temples built by human hands. So Paul is preaching in Athens, and he's telling the people that the God that he serves, the God that Jesus revealed to us, he is Lord of all, of heaven and earth and everything And he can't be contained by human beings. He's beyond us. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. And so the God that we serve, the God we worship this morning, the God who resurrected and conquered death is the God who gives us everything, life itself. Everything we have comes from him. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And so God is sovereign over history, over everything. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Wow. This is a God who who has a plan and a purpose and a story that's unfolding. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. And though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. And some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. Those are all things that we can work with and build with and make things with our own hands. He's not an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, that's Jesus Christ, and he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Wow. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And so as we dive into Judges, we have to remember this is the same God The same God that Paul proclaimed in Athens is the God writing the story in Judges. Now it's interesting, the name Judge um, brings up a mental image, uh, maybe a courtroom image where you see a a man or woman in a robe and they're very serious and it's very grave. Um, I I don't think that's the right image or the right picture of of a judge that we see in the book of Judges. I think it's, it much more has to do with deliverance. In fact, that's a key word as you go through the book of Judges is a deliverer, a deliverance. And so um, even though these judges that God raised up, these deliverers had a role of leadership and determining different things, ultimately God was using them, calling them to be his servants to bring about deliverance. So when we interpret um, A book like Judges, which is a historic narrative. When the Bible was written, it was written in different genres, different styles and ways of communicating through real, live human beings. And their personality comes out through the books of the Bible. We believe, we don't know this for certain, but we believe that Judges were probably written by the prophet Samuel, who also was deeply involved in writing 1st and 2nd Samuel. And so Judges is a historic narrative, but the timing of it was probably in 1400 B.C., so 1,400 years before Christ. We don't know that exactly, but, but that's in that 13-1400s time period before Christ. But Samuel probably wrote the book and compiled these stories much later in like 1004 or 1051, somewhere in there. And so um, Samuel is putting these stories together much later after the events, but it's important when we understand and we interpret judges that we understand it's a, it's a historic narrative, but it's also theological. It's teaching us something about God. So God, we believe, is inspiring Samuel or whoever the author was to reveal God's purpose, God's plan, God's grace, his redemption, his deliverance to the world. And so we believe it's inspired by God. God is writing this story. Now one of the things that we can do is um, we can judge um, people or things that happened in the past. And um, sometimes we're not fair or right in those judgments. And so some people have a lot of problems as they, they read through Judges and they see the things that happen because we see the world through what God has revealed over thousands and thousands of years, through his scripture, through Jesus, through human history, and we see the world very differently than the people did in 1400 BC. (laughs) It was a very different world, a very different culture, a very different way of understanding what was happening. And so we can't impose our view, our understanding, our way of seeing and understanding, now having Christ to, to impose that upon them. Because remember, they're living in a very different time. And so we have to be very careful that we have to understand this is written in a certain context, in a certain culture, in a certain way that the world was operating and functioning. And so we have to understand that God has been revealing himself patiently over thousands and thousands and thousands thousands of years. And so we have to give grace and understand that what was happening in that time wasn't fully revealed what God was ultimately going to reveal in Jesus Christ. Hebrews tells us this, right? It says, In the past, God spoke this way and he worked in this way, but now God has spoken through his Son. And so in Hebrews, it tells us, In the past, God did this, but but now there's a better covenant. There's a better thing that God has revealed. And so we begin to learn that, that God has been patiently working throughout human history. And here's the good news. God is working in us today. He's working in you today. He's working in our world today. God is not done writing the story. <laughs> and that's why we can look forward with hope. We're As Christians, we're forward-looking people. We're, we're, we're forward-looking people because God is writing something. He's creating something. He's building something. And he's doing it through us and in us today. Th- one of the things I've been thinking about is that we, we gain a lot of insight when we look back into hindsight. So in our hindsight, we can find insight that gives us the best foresight. And so it's really impactful to look back into like a book like Judges because it reveals so much about what we're like as human beings. And it reveals the temptation and traps that we can easily fall into. This morning, I want to set a little bit of context for the book of Judges with a couple um, big ideas. One big idea is that God is a covenant-making God. God is a covenant-making God. We cannot understand who God is without understanding the idea of covenant. The word covenant literally means it's, it's a relationship. It has to do with, with a, a commitment in a certain kind of relationship. And we're going to look at two covenants this morning. The first is the covenant that God made with Abraham. And you can go back and can read Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. This morning we're just going to look at a few verses in Genesis chapter 15. And, and it will be on the screen. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. And so God chose Abraham. In Genesis 12, we learn that he called him out of his home country and took him to this land of Canaan. And he says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. Isn't that a beautiful statement? of God, I am your shield. I am your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, and You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who will be your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Now remember, Abram's in his 90s, right? He's like, wait a minute. How am I going to have kids? We're too old. This is not possible. But then God took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. And if you keep reading Genesis 15, you see that there's a sacrifice and there's this ritual that Abram goes through with God with fire and animals. And God makes a covenant, he makes a promise. And he builds a relationship with Abram and says, through you, I'm going to do this. You're going to have a son. And through him, there's going to be this multitude of people beyond that you could count. Uh, Maybe as a Sunday school child, uh, if you went to church, uh, you you sang that song, Father Abraham (laughs) had many sons. (laughs) Father Abraham, right? So we call Abram or Abraham the father of faith. Because he's teaching us something about covenant. God desires this personal relationship with Abraham. But it doesn't just stop with Abraham. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, are also covenant people. In fact, at the end of the service, we're going to celebrate communion, which is the sign of the covenant with God's people today. We are part of that story of covenant. But what is Abraham's part in the covenant it says, he believed the Lord. He believed what God said. When God said, you will have a child, he believed him. He believed what God said. He believed what God said, and it was credited to him as righteousness. In Romans, Paul says that the righteousness that comes from God is by faith from first to last. It's by faith. And so the only way that we can have covenantal relationship with God is through faith. We're going to look at a second covenant that God made, and so we have Abraham, and then we have Moses. And so as we come into the book of Judges, there's a backstory. Abraham, called by God, left Ur, which was probably up somewhere in, uh, in Turkey, somewhere somewhere in the Crescent, Mesopotamian Crescent, and went down into Canaan to where present day Israel is. And so God said, "I'm going to give you this land." So what did God promise to Abraham? A child and land. A child and land. That's what God promised. Then in um, much later, after the descendants of Abraham had, uh, had grown, and they were in Egypt for 400 years, and then what did God do? He rescued them out of slavery of Egypt, and he brought them into the land. And so this is what he told Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, and so there's a connection between the, Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant and now through Moses, into the land you are entering to possess and drive out before you many nations, the Hittites, Goreshites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, lots of ites. <laughs> Seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them. Show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their asherah poles, burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. And so God is making a covenant here with Moses and the people of Israel. In fact, you can go earlier in chapter 5, and and this is where we have the Ten Commandments, right, which is really part of the covenant. Jesus said these commandments are really boiled down to two things. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, strength, and heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so God is doing something in a people, and it's through the people of Israel, and he's taking them into a land. And so God is revealing something about a covenantal relationship, and so, to really understand Judges, you have to understand the covenant that God made with Abraham and he makes with Moses. And now, in Judges, it's being lived out. So, the first thing I wanted to share with you today for context is the importance of covenants, covenantal relationship with God. And the second thing that I want to look at this morning with you is God's character. You see, the story of God is a God-centered story, (laughs) and that's good news for us. We were never meant, never created, never designed to be the center of the story. (laughs) As much as we want to be, as much as we wish we were, we were not designed for that. And we actually flourish and function best when we're not, because when God is the center of the story, then we find our part, our place in the story— and it's good, and it's good. And so to understand God and what He reveals in Judges, there's two big ideas that we need to hold on to as we read through the Judges, and it comes right out of the covenants that God makes. And number one is God is holy. God is holy. Isn't isn't that what God told Moses, that that he is a holy God and that we are to be a holy people? You see, Holiness, I think, is one of the most un- misunderstood things. And, and one of the greatest lies that I think Satan has ever uh, told us is that somehow holiness is some kind of religiosity or kind of, some kind of condescending way of being. <laughs> and it's so far from the truth. Holiness is something so much more. It has to do with being different. It has to do with being different, separate, And at the very root of holiness is this idea of goodness. Holiness is ultimate goodness. It's the ultimate good. I think I've realized as I've gotten older is that my deepest longing, my deepest stirrings and desires of my heart ultimately are for holiness. That we were were designed and created to long for the ultimate good. What is right? what is ultimately beautiful. And so when you see a work of art or an amazing performance, there's something that stirs in us. (laughs) There's something, there's a longing that is in us that longs for that ultimate good and that ultimate beauty, that ultimate justice, that ultimate purity. We we, we long for it and we strive for it. And so all of this emanates from God's holiness. Um, There's another aspect of holiness that I think is really important too. Remember the prophet Isaiah, when he came into the presence of God, he cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But the second thing he said is, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. (laughs) And so because it's ultimate perfection, ultimate beauty, ultimate goodness, it reveals something about us. And so two examples of symbols that are given to us throughout Scripture Um, of God's presence and His holiness is water and fire. Now, we can't survive. We can't live. In fact, there is no good life without water and fire, (laughs) right? We need warmth. We need energy, and we need water to survive. And so water and fire are life-giving. In fact, we couldn't survive without them. In fact, one of the things we do as Christians is baptism, where we go under the water. But it's also things that can destroy And kill us, right? Just this week we we heard about this fires in Colorado and this destruction. And so we know fire is dangerous. We know water is dangerous. And the holiness of God is not only life-giving and beautiful, but it is also dangerous. And there is something really important about this for us. That we have to understand that the holiness of God is beyond us. We cannot be holy outside of God. We cannot live outside of God. Everything good is found in Him, but it also reveals our sinfulness. It reveals our imperfection. It reveals our failings. It reveals the greatest danger to our well-being. And so there's a battle over holiness. Yesterday I got to go for a a walk. Um, I think when I got out of my car, it said negative two (laughs) degrees It's actually the best time to go for a walk out in the hills. Um, the air was shimmering and sparkling with the, the sunshine and the snow and the air, and it's so, so amazing. Um, but as I was praying, God was, was again reminding me of His holiness, and, and I felt uh, so small and inadequate because when you come into the presence of God, there's, there's this revealing of of how small and insignificant we are. And I said, God, I'm, I'm just a baby. <laughs> and this. I feel so immature in these things, how can I communicate these things? But it was in that place of feeling so small that we began to experience the grace of God. And I love, uh, I had a brother who I got to spend some time with last week, and he said it was through the book of Judges that he began to understand the grace of God. And the holiness not only reveals our own inadequacy, our own failings, our own smallness, but it also reveals God's grace. And there's a battle for that. There's a battle over the holiness of God. And, and one of the things God, uh, I felt, told me yesterday is that, that for me personally, this year was going to be about holiness, that God wanted to teach me more about what holiness meant and what it means for my life and what he wants to do in me through his Holy Spirit. Because holiness has to come from God. It's through the Holy Spirit. That's why in Pentecost he pours out the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to see in Judges is that there's these key moments where God raises up, delivers, judges. And what does he do? He gives them the Holy Spirit. He gives them something that they don't possess, that they don't have, but that he has and that only he can give. And so there's a battle over what is ultimately good. There's three arenas of this battle. And Judges reveals this. There's the world. The surrounding culture in Judges, it's going to be characterized as the Canaanites, the Philistines, the Preserites, the Hittites, all those different people groups, right? There's this, this surrounding culture that's hostile to God, that's anti-God, and that rejects God. And so we live in that kind of culture as well, and there's a battle around that arena. Second, there's the devil, who's a liar, an accuser. In, in, the, in the Judges' story, it's a picture of Egypt and slavery, right? The, the, the curse of Egypt was that you were only slaves, yet God said you're my treasured possession, you're my sons and daughters, and he brought him out of slavery into freedom. And so the devil's a liar. And then there's the battle that I think Judges ultimately reveals, which is our own flesh. And this is where we get holiness wrong a lot. is because we look at the devil, and we look at the world, and we say look how look how evil they are, but we forget about the great enemy of our own flesh and judges reveals that even in the people of god we see this tendency towards sin this tendency towards rebellion this tendency not to trust god this propensity towards idolatry and rebellion against god and so what we see is a battle in our own flesh and this is the same for us as christians in romans chapter 8 paul says there's a there's a struggle between the spirit of god who wants to bring holiness into our lives and the flesh and there's this battle raging. And so there's a, there's a battle in the world, and the culture. There's a battle against the devil, and there's a battle within our own flesh. And so when we read Judges, and we read about battles, and fighting, and war, it's a picture of, us, of this reality that we're living in a battle. In this in-between time, there's a struggle. And we don't fight with swords and donkey jawbones, <laughs> like in Judges, but there is a battle, and Jesus talked about that battle, and the New Testament talks about a battle, and it's the world, it's the devil, and it's our own flesh, and so as we read through Judges, there's a battle over God's holiness. There's something at stake in our lives, and it has to do with the covenant that God is making. This is what Richard Lent says, God's holiness is the underpinning to the entire narrative arc of scripture, his holiness means that all of the creative order functions within fixed moral order, that wherein where good and evil are never simply relative terms contingent upon a culture's moral taste buds. Human flourishing is always a function of delighting in that which God delights and desiring which God desires. That's, that's holiness, a desire for the ultimate good, ultimate beauty, ultimate justice. God's holiness gives us the clearest frame of reference for human corruption, dysfunction across the whole of Scripture. And Judges is going to reveal that to us (laughs) in a real way. And so we are called, as God's holy people, to be his representatives. We're going to take communion here, um, and, uh, and I think it's so important for us to to realize that what God wants to do in us through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit has to do with the covenant and it's a covenant promise that's based on God's faithfulness and so if there's two two big ideas or yeah there's two big ideas one God is a covenant making God and we are called to be a covenant making we are covenant people with God in Jesus Christ But we need to know the character of god at the center of the story he's holy and he's faithful he's holy and he's faithful i am so thankful that he's faithful because what he is promising to do in us he will accomplish just like he did through abraham just like he did through moses he is going to accomplish in us one of the most beautiful aspects of god's holiness is his unconditional love and his unconditional faithfulness. He will keep his promise. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how difficult it is, we are called to a faithful God, to a holy God. I'm going to invite the elders and the servers to come on forward, and we're going to pass out the, the elements. So if you serve as an elder, or if you're an usher, could you please come on up, and we'll pass out the trays. And what I want you to do is take the cup, take the bread, and hold on to it, and then we'll take it all together. As we remember the covenant that we have in Jesus this morning, as we begin a new year, as we realize that God is still still writing His story, it's it's so important to realize uh, God's faithfulness in this. Um, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, "I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment." In the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is doing something. He's inaugurating something. He's telling us that there's a there's a future, there's a bright hope for tomorrow in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. And so Jesus' body was perfectly holy. It was perfectly good. And so all of our failings, all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our fear, fear, everything that we don't like about ourselves, God has taken care of. And we are made whole. We are made righteous. We are made perfect. Perfectly loved by him. And so do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat this and remember his promise. The same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. And so, one of the beautiful things we'll see in Judges is as people failed, God always provides, He always makes a way. <laughs> so, whatever we're facing, whatever circumstances are beyond us, remember who you are that you are a son and daughter purchased with precious blood, the blood Of Jesus, which is poured out for you. This is his covenant. Let's take and drink it. Oh God, you are faithful. And as we uh, take just a few minutes this morning to reflect back uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, and the story you were writing through Abraham, Moses, through the characters in the book of Judges, You're still writing today in us and that you are a covenant-making God who is faithful and you provide for us and you give us what is ultimately good. I pray that we would hold on to that in 2022. God, whatever comes our way, we are the people who are your people, your special possession, and you have called us to be your own, your own holy people. Help us to shine to reflect that beauty and that goodness to the world around us, to our neighbors and our families and everywhere we go. May your light shine through your people. It's in for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing the first verse in the chorus. Great is Thy Faithfulness. Let's lift it up to him and tell him. Great is Thy faithfulness, O God,
1: my Father.
0: shadow of burning with thee, thou changes not thy comfort. Go out and let the Lord shine his light to you.